Hi, I'm Carmen, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Carmen. And I'm going to read today's for today. The fairest harmony springs from discord, Aristotle. I have to tell you, being a treasurer this weekend, this is very true for me. How we humans hate discord. We have a talent for creating it, of course, but we don't like it. And compulsive readers eat over it, alcoholics drink over it, and others indulge their various weaknesses over it. It took the 12-step program to teach me to simply endure, to go straight through a difficult, discordant time without yielding to the urge to escape into the food or to yell for somebody to fix it. My rewards are many, new strengths and capabilities, the peace that comes with acceptance of what is and the joy of knowing I am free. For today, as I practice acceptance of life's discords, life turns around and gives me harmony. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Um, the, please continue eating. Uh, staff is going to, hotel staff is going to continue taking plates uh, until I give them the high sign, and then they're going to step back for the speaker. But, of course, we have a few. You know, in some meetings in Sacramento, I'm known as Billboard Barb. Are there any away related announcements? <laughs> Everyone in, in my Saturday morning uh, steps and traditions uh, meeting goes like this. They just wait. Okay, a couple things I want to tell you. Um, oh, that's a father. Did someone just take a fall out by the breakfast? Are you okay? All right. Um, there is a huge sale going on in the boutique. Let me tell you about this sale. In the spirit of one day at a time, buy one bag for one dollar and get another one free. I hear all airlines are allowing excess baggage. How long does this sale last? Till 10 a.m. The doors will close. The rest of the clothes go away. You can keep until I am done here. Um, now there's a few items left in the uh, silent auction to pick up. I'm going to read some names. Get there before 10 o'clock, right after breakfast, okay? The Pet Basket, Tanya. Complete Day in a Way, Christine. The 2004 Tax Prep, Ellen V. The Logan Brugger, Brigger, Brugger, Horizon and Hope Combo. How do you say that? Loggenberger. They're big, you know, it's too expensive for me. I don't know. But it's D. Cabrera. Can knit Afghan, Miss Felicita. The 22-inch teddy bear, K.S. The Sony MP3 player, Miss Ann Mon. Ooh, the fix is in. Heavenly Getaway, K.S. And the Loggenberger 1994 Jingle Bell Combo, Dawn. And Dana Cabrera is not coming back for the Loggenberger Horizon and Hope Combo. So I need um, somebody from fundraising 
Katie Karen, to tell me who the second person on that list is. The slogan bracelet, Felicita, and Geddes book, Patio. Patio? Patio. I like that. Canopy and patio. No, just patio. Whoever you are, forgive me. Newcomers basket, Jennifer G, Beanie Babies, Evan E. We're not going to ask Evan. Cameo Bear, Evelyn R, Birdhouse, Sue S, River Cats Fun Pack, Jeff M. Ching. Be there by 10 or they're mine. Oh, that's not an honest program. Okay. Um, got to rock and roll here. Um, did anyone, everyone here, you got to pick it up by 10 o'clock? Was I clear? Okay, good. Just check it. The 50-50 amount is at $770 plus right now. Joe C., where are you? Joe has guaranteed me $1,000 in the 50-50. If each one of you buy $1, is it Joe? I'm thinking we're there. Just thought I'd share. Your ticket needs to be present to win. You don't, but your ticket does. How do we say that? K-Patty? How about K-Patty on the Largenberger Hope, Horizon of Hope combo? You got it, okay? Beautiful. Thank you, Karen. Our lovely Karen H. The quilt Afghan tickets... The quilt Afghan tickets will no longer be sold during the breakfast after she finishes up with this while the speaker's speaking but they will be available un up until the time of the quilt and afghan drawing, which will be at the closing after the speaker, as well as 50-50. A reminder on your program, in the back page is an evaluation. Turn in your evaluation, get a ticket. Get a ticket, possibly win a 35-millimeter camera, nice one actually, with um, a film in it. And, um, if you've already turned in your evaluation, we'll still give you a ticket. Case sales are going on, and there's some great speakers here, so I hope you're taking advantage of it. Okay. You think it's time for the speaker part? But first, but first we have to do the cherished anonymity statement. To those of you, could you hold this for me? No. To those of you who might be here representing the print or television media, please help us preserve the cherished tradition of anonymity by refraining from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. We ask that in your recording on OA that you use only first names or pseudonyms of OA members and that you obscure the faces of those who identify themselves as OA members. Well, we got a treat for you today, I just got to say. We got to hear this lady in, in Palm Springs. She just set us over the edge. She got us coming up here and just excited. She ran the clothing boutique down there too and we wanted to beat her action up here. And uh, I don't know, I think we, you know, character defect competition. Um, but I think we may have met her standards of uh, the clothing boutique. It is with no further ado that I invite Lonnie G. from Los Angeles up. Hi, I'm Lonnie, a grateful, outstanding, compulsive overeater. 
as I was kind of told a little bit earlier that there might be some clanking and there might be some noise making because it's still the breakfast, that is a joyous sound. That is a wonderful sound. Let there be slurping and munching and whatever is going on at the time because I, I, I can roll with that. Um, I got up this morning and I got to tell you, I've been listening to speakers this weekend and it's just been wonderful. Just incredible because next year I'll be working again and I won't be able to, you know, hear it. I'll have to be listening to the tapes. But this time I actually got a chance to sit in the workshop and it was just, I'm listening to people going, oh my God, they're so good. And go next door and listen, oh my God, they're so good. And of course, I was reminded lovingly by my sponsor this morning as I was going through the, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and she says, you know, that is your ego. And I'm like, you know, I had to think about that. And she was right. Okay. It was. And then I got oatmeal and my whole world just mellowed, mellowed right out. Just, just, and it's really good oatmeal. So that just made it even better. And then I remembered, and what I remembered was yesterday morning I didn't get it, and she got the last of the pot. And I tried not to have that resentment about that because I knew I was going to get it this morning, so I just needed to get that part out the way. <laughs> I came to Overeaters Anonymous at a little bit more than 18, almost 18 and a half years ago now. And um, thank you. I came into Overeaters Anonymous at 340 pounds. I came in at, at right there. I was, if it was within a half a pound, I was knocking on that door 340 pounds. And I must tell you that most of the time these days I spend in gratitude. When my days are really hard and life, real life has stepped in and kind of rattled my little face a lot of late, and I'll, I'll, t I'll touch base on that, um, I have to remember that I came in here at 340 pounds. So I'm down, I, I was down 160 pounds and it's about 155 pounds right now, but we will deal with that part later and that, you know something, that's just how it is. Um, I'm not where I was, I haven't given it all up, I'm not done yet, and I'm not leaving. You get me. The good, the bad, and indifferent, you get me. And I must tell you, the most profound thing has not just been the physical change. I am finally um, comfortable with looking at myself and going, oh, yeah, I do recognize myself when I pass by the mirrors. Oh, that, that's me. Yes, yes. And just be all right with it. And I could not always say that. The most profound change has been my attitude. And as I made that attitudinal change, I did not know that was happening. It has almost always taken the feedback of other people, which, by the way, I don't always believe the feedback that I get, but the feedback from other people, but the reactions of other people to me. I didn't grow up having great difficulties, I thought, with my personality, and I measured that by the fact that I pretty much got along with my fellows. I, I, I was chosen for teams. I wasn't um, the obese child that was always left out, nor was I unpopular. That really wasn't my story. My story... And my story comes from terminal uniqueness, people, and let me get that part out of the way real fast. I, I was born into terminal uniqueness. Um, racially, I'm black, white, Japanese, and Hawaiian, and it's pretty much an even quarter split. There is none of you that I can't float in and out of your house and be just comfortable. Thank you very much. My children are even more racially mixed than, than myself, and the entire United Nations at one time or another comes right through, and you know, they pull up a chair, sit down, and we share, and it's no, big, no biggie for me. It really isn't. That part is, however, when I, as I explain that to you, that is also how I, what I used for many, many years to separate myself from everybody that I was around. In a room just like this, I can easily cut myself out from you really fast, and there's probably not another person in here that could make that same ethnic claim statement that I just made. I just proved how terminally unique I can be. 
that that that's just an is, but it could also it's a contributor to the disease for me. It is not a contributor to the recovery. When I came to Overeaters Anonymous, one of the things I began to learn was what what was our commonality? The, my first meeting, my first meeting. Oh my God, I am and my pictures are stuck on my on their bed actually upstairs. I forgot to bring them down this morning because I did something earlier. But if anybody wants to see, just ask me. I'll bring them down later and I'll show you. Um, that first meeting, I. I introduced myself as Lonnie. I'm a compulsive overeater. There were about 10 people in that room. One, I was the biggest. I noticed those things instantly. I'm a 100-pounder. I talked from that 100-pounder position. So I was the biggest person in the room. I was probably, uh, no, no probably. I was the worst-dressed person in the room. The traditional hand, homemade polyester pants, thighs rubbed through on the middle. show you how good I was, though. I, I wanted a big sweatshirt. And that was before the big clothes got really popular, you know, with the hanging off the hips and all that crazy stuff. So I had this big sweatshirt I got from some big men's shop, bright red. I cut it, faced it in, so it became a big bright red jacket. I remember years later, my, my therapist was to say to me, Lonnie, you couldn't keep a low profile if your life depended on it, you know? <laughs> Not that I wasn't. Hair, men's shoes, food-stained clothes. I am food-stained phobic today. If the food stain doesn't come out, I throw it away. I'll go back to Tarzay, buy some fresh t-shirts, start all over again. <laughs> it is a personal thing with me. Now, I'm not real top-heavy, so you wouldn't think I was that magnetic across the front, you know? <laughs> I'm taping. I just patted my breast in case that'll show up on the tape. Um, so, but you, so you wouldn't think I'd be that magnetic, all right? I was. And how did they get there? I don't know how they got there. You know, but they were there. That is how I came to you. I came to you mentally in a bad place. Always a very good employee. I'm smart. I'm not as smart as I used to be. That's all right. But I'm, I'm smart, <laughs> hardworking, diligent. I could do all of those things. I also suffered from snappy answers to stupid questions. I, I actually, I, I can't even, I, I can hardly do it anymore. I don't practice it anymore. And when I now know I have the snappy answers to the stupid question, the lessons that I've learned in here have taught me to shut up and sit with myself. Be still and be quiet with yourself. Today I will tell myself, Lonnie, especially if I'm agitated, which means I'm fearful because I'm going to have to try to do something I don't know how to do or ask someone for help. Be still. I'm not God. Just be still. And when I can be still, things work out for me much better. But that is not how you met me. You met me at that heightened state of don't cross wits with me. I'm not merciful. I will verbally munch you up, spit you out, and look at you like, and you're bleeding, and you're telling me about this. <laughs> Had you not confronted me in the first place, I would not have done that to you, and that is true. <laughs> in the ladies' rooms, my, my friends would go, oh, I just wish I had remembered to say that, and today my prayer is, thank you, God, I, I know not to say it. So I, I come to you, I came to you in that, in that kind of place. And the lessons that I, the way I live my life today, the way I react to situations and people today is way different. And that is when I say my, my attitude changed. My reaction to what I do and what I hear is a lot different. My first gut instinct is not the good one always. That first snappy, that's not the good thing. The better thing is just to think through the first thing. 
And most of the time, my second thing is a hell of a lot better than that first one could ever be. And then I know that I don't own amends because I shut up. Life today is bringing me a few challenges, one of which is my mom. Now, I, we all have that history. I have a dreaded mother, and I am a dreaded mother, so I have to be kind of careful with that one. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in prayer over the situation with my mother of late. She is 100 pounds overweight. She is, has Parkinson's, congestive heart failure, arthritis. She's 78 years old. You know, I know the founder of Overeaters Anonymous, and she's just a few years younger than that, and I wish my mom had half, half of what Roseanne has. Things would be very much easier for her. Just about three and a half weeks or so ago, I was called from work. I had to go out to my mom's and take her out to the hospital because she could not move. She would hurt her ankles. Now, the knees are very, very bad, and she's sort of been in preparation for testing to see if she can have knee replacement surgery. Anyway, I get her out to the hospital. They run an x-ray to find out why she, you know, what's wrong. And I'm thinking she's pulled a tendon. She has a badly broken ankle in two places. Badly. I'm talking bone separation here. Badly. I'm looking at the x-rays, and I went to the medical school of ER, and I can read that x-ray, and that's a bad x-ray, okay? And, and, and in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, everything changed for her and for me. And she cannot go home. She cannot stand. It, at that particular moment in time, it took two grown men and myself to take her to the bathroom. I've got a, two doctors and a calf-grabbing person who, are, they're leaning on me to take her home with me, and I've got to say in front of her and firm enough to be heard by them, that is not going to happen. It is not going to happen, and they're making words like, you know, families have to pull together at times like this and yada, yada. And I'm thinking, thank you very much for sharing, but that's not going to happen. She will make me her personal slave. My husband will eat me up alive, and, and, and which one of you wants to invite me to your house to live? Because that's where I'm going. <laughs> that comes across really glib, and that's exactly how I presented it. As I watched my mother have to listen to this and be very, very afraid. And I recognized her fear. She now cannot go home. Everything that is familiar has been removed. She does not know what's going to happen. I cannot put her back in the car anymore. She's got, you know, a big calf leg sticking out there. I have a small car. And what's going to happen, what's going to happen? And all I could say to her at that, that evening was, we will do what is in front of us, Mom. We will just do what is, what is in front of us. And my heart is going, and you're not coming home with me. Okay, we don't, you know, we are not that kind of co-joined mom and, mom and daughter. It's not, and it's not going to start happening now. And so that has been a real challenge for me. The blessing in that challenge is, to date, things have worked out. I have had to take over and do things for her that I never wanted to do. I have had resentments for which I have prayed and am praying and will continue to pray for. I, I'm not that, still handle that resentment well. You know, that delicious munching and going on that I just had with the breakfast and the breakfast has ended and the lunch will begin at the proper time is what happens today. But in a resentful world for me, in a world filled with anger and a lot of resentment, that is not how that meal goes. That meal trails in the things that trails in the things. And the next thing I know, I am eating nonstop. I am eating the way I ate that brought me here. One does not grow to be 340 pounds eating two acorns and a grape. <laughs> doesn't happen that way. But you know something? All of the, all of the challenges 
that my today's life is presenting me for that are I I do what I've been taught. Let let let's do the next thing. And I can hear mom. Well, what am I going to do when? I said, you know what? Can we just get through this particular time? And then we'll figure out the next thing. And that part has all worked out. But the, what I was going to say is the blessing on in that this situation for me is she is a wonderful, shining example of what I do not want to become. Mom and I were binge buddies. We ate at least one Caribbean island together. <laughs> on a cruise, we did that. I look at her, and, and genetically, I can't lose her at the mall. Okay? I really imprint her for size, for structure, for, um, I, I've, I've almost got the same game hip and bad knee, and that is why I was not popping it out at the dance last night. I look at her, and, and, and I, as I exercise in the mornings, when I don't want to exercise, and I go out and exercise anyway. And I look at her, and I don't want to be like her. And the truth is, I'm not like her. And I was lovingly reminded by a dear friend recently, and she said, you know something? Eighteen years ago, when you came to us and stayed through whatever was going on, your life changed. You're not going to be her, and you're not going to be like her. But she is a shining example to me in that I don't want to be that 100 pounds overweight, and I don't want to have that kind of experience. Whatever the experience is and the challenges before me, I don't want it to be that one. And I look at her and I have to remember that. I also have to try and deal with her in compassion. Mom and I are competitors. We have, com we have competed with each other. She taught me how, and I picked it up and ran with it, as she taught me other things that I picked up and ran with. Um, have to be compassionate when I deal with her. I actually practice great patience, and then there are times when I don't, and I am short, and I don't want to be bothered, and I don't want to have to do all of this stuff, and I am grateful that I'm able to do these things right now, and I still want to maintain some distance. When I got ready, I was getting ready to come here, and somebody was telling me, and I'm kind of getting fussed at these days about my cell phone, and I'm cell phone phobic. Don't let me see you drive down the street with that cell phone, and you're, you, no, 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 I can't have that. Um, I don't want the phone ringing in the car while I'm driving. You know, if I'm doing 70 miles an hour down the freeway, don't call me. So I don't give out the number, so you can't call me. A family member said, are you going to take your cell phone? And I said, why? Everybody that I want to see is going to be with me. And she said, well, what if we want to reach you? I said, haven't you gotten the hint yet? I don't plan to be reached. Nobody knows what the hotel I'm staying in. They don't. My mother knows I'm in Sacramento. I'll be home on Sunday. I'll stop by and see her. Maybe I'll bring her some fresh food or something. In other words, and if there's a crisis, what am I going to do about it? I'm here. Call 911. You're in a convalescent home. You're surrounded by medical people. Tell them I'll catch up. They'll, they'll, they'll tell me. Well, thank you. I needed to laugh about that. Huh? I came here like this. What do you mean? You want to know how to reach me. So that, that, that's kind of what's happening in that part. And I said something about the dance. I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and one of the most freeing things I did, and I was still over 300 pounds, I went to the first dance that was available in Los Angeles, and I do have rhythm, people. <laughs> yes, I do. It's 61 years old, but it's still rhythmic, okay? 
And I, and, 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 and I woke up at that dance. I woke up and I thought, oh my goodness, all this time, all of this weight, I would stand on the sidelines, and I've always been a good dancer, I would stand on the sidelines and I go, when I lose my weight, I'm going to go, I'm going to dance. And you know what I found out? I could dance without losing my weight. And as I danced, I lost my weight. <laughs> dance more, lose more weight. It worked that way. And last night, I went up early, and I'm tired, and I also have a bad knee. I went to the OA birthday party dance, and I did what I always do. Bernice has been there with me many dances. She knows what I do. And I blew my knee out, but I didn't know it until the next morning. I was fine. I got in the room, I showered, and talked about the dance, jumped in the bed, did some sleep, wake up the next morning, and the knee is not in the same condition as the other knee. I have bad knees, and that is that genetic thing that my mom and I share, and I can remember, I think, her father or something. But I blew the knee out, and I was a little afraid. Now, I had just began exercising again. It had been a long stretch when I couldn't exercise because I couldn't do the step aerobics, couldn't do the aerobics, it hurt, yada, yada, didn't do it. And the truth is I need to incorporate that into, in, into my, my program also. So I started swimming. And I really want to talk about this part. I've done many things in this program. I've done it with the help of sponsors and friends and, and listening to you and knowing how to do things. I've, I've done things that hurt. I've cried a lot about things and, and gone on just like the rest of you have. But putting on that bathing suit, walking out of that dressing room, going around to that pool and getting in at a gym where people, where, where women wear lots of thong underwear. Okay. was singularly one of the hardest things I've ever done in 18 and a half years. And the second hardest thing was getting out. Because getting in looks better than getting out there. Getting out is all wet and you can't hide behind any of it. And I swallowed that down. And that was the only thing that I swallowed down inappropriately that day. And I shared that at, at meetings, and I talked about it, and I kept going. And some few months later, and I can talk about my today with that, I just put on the bathing suit. I wear like a little, like some little nylon shorts right over it. But that's okay. That's just my thing, and nobody, nobody cares. Nobody pays it. Nobody cares. And I go out, and I claim my lane, and I swim, and I've turned into a really good swimmer. So now today, when I, I, I can say, I'm a swimmer. I go to food school. They talk about things, and I go, yeah, I'm a swimmer. Food school, by the way, it's kind of like if you do um, a recognized healthy Weight Watchers, if you have a nutritionist, if you have, you know, that, it's all food school. Okay, so, so I can now say I'm a swimmer. And when my knee is good, I'm still a dancer. And I get to kind of talk about those things. No, I get to live through and do those things because of the lessons that I learned here at Overeaters Anonymous. And there's a story about that swimming thing that just knocked me on my butt at work. I work for an engineering company and, and I market, I'm the marketing coordinator for the civil part of engineering. And then there's the structural part, which is the more glamorous part, because they're the buildings. You know, civil is, you know, sanitary sewer systems and manhole covers. And <laughs> structural is glass and glitz. And, and the managing principal of the structural half is a young man, and he's, um, he would not have hired me, to put it this way. I, I would not have fit his profile. My boss, on the other hand, he, he, yes, I fit his profile and everything. 
but I don't react well to the other gentleman. And I've learned to say this, and that's the truth. He's never been anything less than courteous to me, but I don't react well to him. Maybe because, whatever, I've taken his inventory, and I don't react well to him. And there's some swimmers in the pool, some gentlemen, young, good-looking, and I call them lickety-split, because these guys, you know. Now, I'm 61 years old. I'm more a fadoo-fadoo. They lickety-split, and I fadoo-fadoo. But I figure if I do enough fadoo-fadoos, it equals so many lickety-splits. And I'm a consistent fadoo-fadooer. And there's a couple of them, and I don't recognize them at all, because I have bad vision, and I've got on goggles, and it's wet. You know, I just throw another, you know, look at his split. All right, fine. He's one of them. And he said something to me one morning, and I just went, oh, my God. Aside from the fact that I don't react well to him, he's now practically seen me naked. What's that? <laughs> and you know something? I think I react to him a whole lot better now because my attitude is all well. And he recently came into the department. He came over and he said, he was just, you know, we're waiting for my boss to get off the phone and it's all cubicles and we're just standing there. And he made some kind of nice noise. He said, I made some nice noises back, not listening. And he said, you know, he said, I mean, you know, you're, you're really doing good. And I said, well, thank you so much for saying that. And I sat down and went, well, I'll just be darned. And I, I guess I will. It's good to laugh. It is good for me to not take myself so seriously because there are times when, the, when, when it is serious and it feels so heavy. But it is good to laugh. I like that. I think God is in my heart when I can find some humor in a situation and not take myself so seriously. When I can do something that's really hard and kind of step back and go, wow, you know, you did that pretty good. And when I mess up and I feel like there should be a billboard that just goes, you know, loser, failure, you just completely messed up. No, that, that, that thinking is out in the extreme. When I say that, I fear where I would be, where I would have been some 18 years had I not found you and had I not come back that second week when I didn't want to come back when I only came back because I was just too chicken shit to tell the girl who brought me that I didn't want to come back. <laughs> I fear where I would be. The weight, oh, at the, weight I was, at the rate I was gaining and the quantities I was eating would be, I can't even imagine. I don't want to imagine. But for the lessons of the heart, for how to live, through things that I feel maybe deeper than I think some of my fellows who don't frequent our rooms feel. And for the things that I just really don't know about all the time, I learned here. This weekend as I went around and I listened to other speakers, some very young people talking and, and, and other people talking to their topics, and my whole statement has just been, oh my God, oh my God, they're so good. Oh my God, they, they, how could they have learned that so young? You know, how come, how come I didn't learn that so young because I was still eating? There was still a lot of food left to consume. And by the way, I think meals are joyous things. Mel said it, Mel said it Friday night and she said, it's like Christmas Eve. 
I get up every morning and I, and I get up. I wake up in a, in a state of gratitude. And one of the first things I think of is, man, I get it three times today. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good. Right before lunch, I take a late lunch, so I have to stagger my lunch with somebody else, and they take the earlier lunch, and I take the later lunch, and that's the way it is. And of late, especially as the road gets narrower, of late. I'm looking at the watch and it's okay, it's one one thirty, I can't stand it any longer. I have got to have it and somebody will come to me, we need to kick out a proposal right away, Lonnie. And it must be the look on my eyes and they'll say, Have you had lunch? No. <laughs> why don't you get some lunch? And I'll go, Why don't I do that? <laughs> and I come back in and I'll go back up to my associate and I'll say, Give me the give me the proposal and what else has come in and I'm ready to deal with the life. And I, I, I feel like the whole room gives a collective, okay, <laughs> she's going to do it. <laughs> that is not how I came to you, but that is how I am today with most of my life. Um, there are all kinds of things that present particular challenges to me, just like they present to you. I found myself at a time not that many years ago, I guess, when I was unemployed. And I had not been unemployed forever. I'm very employable. And I learned I could work temp because I watched you guys do that. And actually, I did pretty good at it. I had a permanent temporary job at a bagel company. Don't ask. <laughs> Got this job. And it was, Lonnie, all you want, all you can eat. I would take packages of them to my church group for meetings. I did not take packages of them home. In five months, I had five of them. My sponsor knew about all five of them because I had to say today is going to be a bagel day with a salad or whatever. And when they weren't doing that, they made pizza things on the other side. And, and uh, there I was surrounded, and I was not very happy there. And they weren't very happy with me. And they thanked and dismissed me. And though it was painful at the time and, and kind of a bullshitty statement, it was very appropriate because I really did not need to be in that environment. And I'm much better off in the engineering environment, but I have to remember the pizza environment, I mean the um, bagel environment lovingly because I survived it. I did not lose my, I did not give away my abstinence over it. I did not eat inappropriately with it. And that is because I have abstinence, I have abstained enough to know that when things are difficult, meaning difficult, meaning I'm right here, they've given their permission, it is part of my food plan, I could do this, that my abstinence steps in and says, but not right now. Sometimes my abstinence just teaches me, just hold on. Just like taking the second thought, not acting on the first thought. The second thought says, not right now. Why don't you just think about it for a minute? Maybe that's not a great idea right now. And by the time I actually get to the meal, I no longer want the thing. It's a big joke with one of my friends, and we still do this. We can walk past a wedding cake and look at it and go, hmm, two breads, one fruit, and half a fat. <laughs> You see? She'll go, oh, yeah. Are we going to eat it? She'll go, no, nah, tomorrow. Okay. 
And we've been tomorrowing that forever. And, you know, we do that as a joke, but I lived my life before where there was no tomorrow. I treated it like it was two breads, one fruit, and a half a fat. And I consumed it like that, and I hated myself. And I was miserable. I was miserable. I did not have a concept that said I could just wait. Maybe I could listen to you and find out how you did that. And the whole, actually, oh, and I really want to talk about this. I just had the thought that said hope. You know, God does good because I, I get messed up in there sometimes. <laughs> the hope that I get listening to you that reinforces what I need to know that tells me I actually can do without food until the next appropriate food time for me. And we might all have a different, we might all, we all have our own choices and our own ways of doing things and some of us might have to eat five small times a day or three regular times a day, whatever that part is, whatever that part is, it's fine. It is exactly right for wherever you need to be at the moment. The hope is that if others could do it, and when I went to the 100-pounder meetings, I want to tell you, I heard some outrageous, huge stories there. I've told some outrageous, huge stories there. Um, but, but the hope was that we can get through one more day. That I am completely powerless over the disease that I have that sets up a crave, an insatiable crave, that once I have stroked the nose of the dragon and woke it up, and it is screaming, screaming, and I am terrified of that. That if, if I feed that, it only screams louder. And I've had the thought that said, maybe I could just eat something and this will go back down when I'm in that insatiable crave moment. But I know from experience, and I know from listening, it doesn't go back down. It only screams louder. And once the dragon begins to scream and it's fed, it doesn't stop. But if I don't feed it and I take some better action, maybe I talk to somebody else, maybe I, I write. It doesn't really matter what the action is I figured out. I, I am redirecting the thought. Pretty soon, the dragon just kind of curls back up and closes its lantern eyes and goes back to sleep. And if I don't take any action that knocks that sucker on the nose and wakes it back up, it, it can sleep for a long time. It's been a long time now. It is the hope that is presented in, with the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous that says, we who have the disease of compulsive overeating, we who are blessed to know that challenge, we who are blessed to come together and share it with others, that are, no more that are no longer strangers to us, and we share that in love, we get to go on and live and do and laugh and love for one more day. And I accept that hope. And I want that hope. And I want to share that hope back. And I pray that you all do too. It has been one of the most loving lessons, and it is. I'm not, I don't want to say that in the past tense. It is one of the most loving lessons I could ever have in my life. And do I, do I stub my toes sometimes? Oh, yeah. Do I have to go back to make an honest amends apology for behavior that was less than stellar? Oh, yes. Do I have to offer to not take that, to not practice that again and to maybe walk that path better the next time I meet that issue? Yes. Do I like to do that? Not particularly. 
I didn't come to you and say, hmm, let's examine some of the wreckage of my past and let's see what I can go out and apologize for. No. But I wasn't supposed to know that on the first night or the second night either. So I thank you so much for asking me to speak, for giving me the absolutely fabulous breakfast and your attention. Thank you for letting me share my program. I just want to let you know, Sacramento, I wrote down for me, be still, I'm not God. <laughs> okay, Lonnie, thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that. And it's not that cold in here. Um, okay, here's the deal. I'm not God, I'll just be still for a moment, no. Um, we have to get out of this room quickly because there's a group coming in at 10. Don't leave. we got to close. we got a little prayer thing. Um, I want you to all look under your chair. Who's got a smiley face? Under your chair. Who's got a smiley face? If you got a ticket, use it for Long Beach. If you got a smiley face, you get to take the lantern and the bandana on your table. Happy face. The closing will start in a few minutes. Right now we're going to have Libby, the quilt person, to come up. Okay, stay standing. We're going to do the prayer. Good morning. I'm Libby, a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to lead you. Good morning. I'm Libby, a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to lead you in the third step prayer. It's on page eight in your program if you don't have it committed to memory. If you'd like to stand and hold hands. Okay. God. God. I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Coming back, it works. See you at 10 o'clock in the closing next door.